The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Friday, February 26th, and the gang is back together. we got a mailbag episode coming up. You can also check out the NFC North Offseason Priority Podcast with Jordan Najani. And if you want to hear Ryan Wilson and John Breach make fun of me for for financial, I don't even know what it was. Uh, Ryan claimed I got fired, and Breach told me to go spend my money on a horse. And a horse documentary, you can do that. Of course, Mock Draft Monday coming up. We'll be live Sunday at 4 p.m. Go to youtube.com slash pick six if you want to join and chat with us throughout the course of that. And uh, by now, you know all about CBS Sports HQ. But if you're new here, maybe thinking about cutting the cord or just need a quick refresher, well, CBS Sports HQ is your home for live 24-7 sports coverage, breaking news, game previews, highlights, you name it. It's for people like us, you and me. And all of our friends. And I want to let you know that every night at 6 p.m., the HQ team has the best cappers in the business on, and they are previewing and picking the night slate. It's the best way to make sure you have all the latest info and data before you bet. So come get that money. How do you watch? You can watch HQ on the CBS Sports app on your connected TV, computer, mobile phone. It's that easy, and it is free. All right. Let's dive right into the mailbag. And we start with a question from uh, a listener in... I think he left this on Apple Podcasts. He's on, he lives in Seattle. Getting P sick, pretty sick of the Seahawks running the ball all the time and wasting their handsome quarterback's prime years. Should Seattle trade him? And if so, is there a good landing spot? Signed, R. Wilson from Seattle. Oh, goodness gracious. That's actually, that's obviously a fake mailbag question. That's not even funny. Breach. Ryan, first of all, what's up? Second of all, Russell Wilson. I'll let Breach go first because anytime Russell Wilson comes up, he is undoubtedly going to interrupt us with some dumb questions about having babies. So, Breach, go ahead. What? You know what? <laughs> I'm not going to do that this time. I am going to dive right into this um, because this is nuts. This is absolutely crazy. You know, the, the latest report here is from Adam Schefter, and Russell Wilson's agent came out and said, hey, look, I haven't made a trade demand. Russell's not demanding a trade, but if you do want to trade him, <laughs> can you please send him to Dallas, New Orleans, Las Vegas, or Chicago? Uh, which also sounds like a nice bachelor party group there. You go to Vegas or New Orleans, that would be fun. Uh, that's interesting. That kind of screams like all these teams need to call Seattle right now and get a deal done because Russell Wilson doesn't want to be in Seattle anymore. Um, and obviously, you know, let's give all credit where it's due. Jason Locke and for our very own CBS Sports NFL insider was the one who kind of broke all of this on Super Bowl Sunday saying, Hey, watch out. A Russell Wilson trade could happen this offseason. There were a lot of raised eyebrows saying, wait, what? Russell Wilson. And then Russell Wilson went on his publicity tour. I think he even went on Ellen and he was throwing the Seahawks under the bus any ta- anywhere and everywhere he could. And so now this is where we are and this is not a good situation. Uh, I feel like 
a trade is looming. Let's say you guys. Wow. A trade is looming. JLC said that at Super Bowl. You weren't listening. And then no, no, no. I mean, JLC has been at the forefront of this and you know, he had a, um, you know, he had a report a few, you know, when it, before Russell Wilson came out and said something, JLC was out there with reports saying that he, you know, his camp wasn't happy. So, I mean, I mean, I, I get it. Like it's, it, it's, it's a real thing, but what on earth are the Seahawks? I mean, what, what, what do they have to get back to trade Russell Wilson? Like, well, the first question is, how do we get here? And the athletic had a long involved article on what's today, Thursday morning. Um, about exactly how we got here, and a lot of it had to do, and Russell basically said as much, JLC reported, and then he went on Dan Patrick, Russ did, and said, I don't like getting hit four million times a season, uh, basically saying the offensive line needs to be better, and I don't think he was calling out his teammates per se. He was telling the front office and, and Pete Carroll, you need to make it uh, you need to make it a priority to try to keep me safe, and he also wanted the offense to run through him. He was frustrated that after the first half of the season where we couldn't quit talking about how Russ was on his way to winning an MVP, had a couple of bad games, and then Pete Carroll basically said, according to the Athletic, let's shut it down. We're going to run the ball. That's what I like to do. And I think Ross Tucker, a former NFL player who has a podcast, the Ross Tucker Podcast, tweeted this out on Thursday. Friend of the, and, friend of the podcast, Ross Tucker. And, um, well, I don't know if he is now since you got fired, but I don't, he, he tweeted this out, and, and I don't disagree with it. Uh, if I'm having a choice, if given a choice, I'm firing Pete Carroll long before I'm trading Russ Wilson. I'll chime in on that one because I don't think it's as simple as a Pete Carroll versus Russell Wilson thing. I think it's Russell Wilson versus the front office and the coaching staff. Cause look, you have part of Russell Wilson is he's not happy with the offense. He's he let Russ cook. Let me throw the ball 70 times a game. Let me win these games for us. So that's him against the coaching staff. The other part here is that he wants to help pick personnel. He wants to help handpick players that he wants to play with. And so now you're stepping on John Schneider's toes. So it's a matter of, do you keep Russell Wilson over John Schneider and Pete Carroll, or do you dump him? And in that situation, uh, that's a little bit more dicier. Well, so let's point out too, and by the way, this athletic story, uh, from, uh, Michael Sean Duggar, Mike Sando and Jason Jenks, really well researched, really well written, really well sourced. It's awesome reporting and it's got a ton of huge nuggets in it. I mean, based on that, they lost to the Bills on November 8th. And Wilson had four turnovers. So Carroll, quote, pulled back the reins on Wilson in the offense. And you couldn't tell, but um, it was effectively a rebuke of Wilson. And sources close to the quarterback said it upset him. A week later, Wilson had the worst game of the season, turning the ball over three more times and an ugly 23-16 loss to the Rams. Carroll wanted to be more careful of the offense. Wilson wanted to stay the course trusting in himself. Before the Thursday night game against Arizona, Wilson met with his coaches for some time. Wilson has sought, even pushed for influence within the organization regarding scheme and personnel. In the meeting, he outlined his own ideas for how to fix the offense. His suggestions were dismissed, multiple sources told The Athletic. Another reminder to Wilson that the Seahawks did not see him the same way he saw himself, a player who had earned greater control over his situation, his future, his legacy. He stormed out of the room. That's crazy to imagine thinking that happened in the middle of the season last year it makes more sense the season makes more sense when you think about how this unfolded though right like the Seahawks kind of spiraled and they really stumbled down the stretch in the middle of the season they looked like one of the best teams in football at least one of the best offenses in football and so now Russell Wilson has gone passive aggressive on the Seahawks and he's taking it publicly and that's what things I think he's gone aggressive aggressive no but 
like he didn't co- he didn't aggressive is going and talking to Schneider again and saying it. This this makes sense though why he why you you know it gets leaked to JLC why you see him going on Dan Patrick because he's gone to the Seahawks and he said hey here's what I want I want control over this and this and this um, and the Seahawks said no so I guess that's the next question Ryan unless you want to add something to what how we got here but should the Seahawks acquiesce to Russell Wilson's personnel and scheme demands? Well, that's up to, as Breach noted, John Schneider and and Pete Carroll. It's also worth noting, I mean, we're not blaming the front office and the coaching staff, uh, but it's also worth noting that I don't know if Russ Wilson is innocent in all this. Uh, and, oh, I don't the, think so at all. And the athletic story talks about him being really concerned with his legacy as it compares to Brady and Manning. Uh, uh, Montana, I think, was mentioned. Uh, he was tweeting – Tweeting one of his friends, I think, uh, I'm not sure where, or a high school friend, whatever, one of his buddies that's not involved in football now during the Super Bowl because he was sitting in the box right next to Roger Goodell. We saw him about how angry he was to see Tom Brady out there and him not being out there. And I get that on some level, but it's not weird. But I would imagine when Russ came out of Wisconsin, these weren't the thoughts in his mind. His his thought process as a third-round pick was making the team – uh, doing all he can to, to help the team get better. And now it seems like it's more than that. And look, he's one of the best players in the NFL and he has every right to, uh, have a say to a certain extent about how things are going to go. But we called out Aaron Rodgers when it seemed like he, well, when he ran Mike McCarthy out of town, there were folks that certainly were down on Aaron Rodgers about that. Turned out he was right. And also when he seemed a little, I don't know if he was petulant because I think that's uh, too strong a word, but when it seemed like he and, and, uh, Matt LaFleur Breach Jr. weren't on the same page in year one and then they, two really, really good seasons. Um, and no one now faults Aaron Rodgers, by the way, for the way the season ended this year when, when the floor got conservative in, in, in the playoffs and, and they lost the game. So I don't know. It, I think Todd Furman, our buddy, who who is uh, who is one of the best uh, odds, he used to be an odds maker and one of the best sort of uh, gambling dudes on the internets, he just tweeted this out, and I think this actually is pretty good. He goes, it's telling, uh, this is telling your current partner, he's talking about Russ Wilson uh, naming those four teams, according to Schefter, Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, Bears, as possible trade destinations, if he were to be traded. Not that he's asking for a trade. But Todd Furman tweets, this is like telling your current partner, I'm happy in the relationship, but if these four people were available, I might leave you. This always seems to end well. And I, I think that's where we're at. This, It's not as bad as Deshaun Watson. I don't even think it's in the same area code, but it ain't great. Well, I think it's different than Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson – you know, signed up, was drafted by this organization as a first-round pick, signed on to this long-term extension thinking that the organization had a vision for how they were going to handle things. And, and you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the background, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, whoa, you know, like this is – and I you know, did want to say in who the general manager was, Russ wants to, like, draft players and yeah, design we, we schemes. We don't, I mean, like, we, don't, we don't know that. I mean, that's, that. that's what the report is. He doesn't want to draft players. I don't think that was in there, that he wants to – He wants – no, he, he wants it, a say in the personnel. So he wants a say in, in what players are going to end up on the team. You can, well, that's draft or free agency. He wants some say in what's going to happen. Um, and, and I think one interesting thing here is that, you know, he went on that media blitz that we talked about where he kind of threw the team under the bus. And here we are in this report from the athletic. This clearly is information that came from the team, you know, saying, Hey, Russell Wilson was in this meeting. Uh, that's, information that few people would have. And you go back and they mentioned that it was that Thursday night game in week 11. Well, you know what was happened right before week 11 is the Seahawks had lost three of four games uh, playing 
letting Russ cook. You know, he's starting to burn in the kitchen and they're like, maybe he needs some help. Let's send a fire extinguisher in there. So they treat, he starts pouting like a three-year-old is what the Seahawks made it sound like. And they put their foot down saying, look, we're in control here and we're going to do it our way. And what happens when they do it their way? The Seahawks close the season six and one by sticking to the plan of the coaching staff. So if you're the Seahawks front office, what you're seeing is, look, we did it our way. Our way went six and one. Russ's way lost three of four in the middle of the season. We gave him his chance. And so you have no reason to kind of give in and, and let Russell Wilson do whatever he wants. So I, Russ, I do think Ru- that this. Russ's counter argument would be if we had an offensive line, then we could continue to do what we did over the first six weeks. I don't really buy the whole we don't have an offensive line thing. I mean, I, I get that it's not the world's greatest offensive line, but they've have you I mean, seen the number, the advanced metrics on the offensive line? What are the what are the advanced metrics? They're not great. Is it is it like is it their pass blocking rate or their run blocking rate? Like what are we? Uh, I think in the athletic a few years ago when Russ got hurt, remember he had that ankle injury that may have been yeah. in twenty sixteen. I think it was rated last or bottom five or something according to PFF. I, I haven't looked specifically, but I'll look at it while you're talking. Uh, I mean, well, I'll give you, I'll give you the dro- number right now. In 2020, the final PFF offensive line rankings for the entire NFL, the Seahawks unit ranked 14th overall, not even in the bottom half of the league. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, you can point out sacks, but, like, half of the sacks are because Russ holds the ball to Look, I'm a huge Russell Wilson guy. I have been since he came, since he was NC State. Like, I'm pro-Russell Wilson. I think he's a total weirdo and does some very bizarre things, including this. But to me, this feels petulant. And you've won a Super Bowl there. It's not, I, I mean, it, you know, the athletic, the athletic article is like, he hasn't been to the NFC Championship game since 2014. Yes, there are things the Seahawks could have done better. But do you remember when, do you remember that Sports Illustrated article after the, 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 um, the interception by Malcolm Butler and everything fell apart and it was like Pete Carroll took Russ's side? I mean, maybe we sort of glossed over the, 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 pros, the possibility that Russell Wilson was pretty involved in, you know, the division of, of, you know, and trying to take the leadership from Richard Sherman, from Bobby Wagner, and that he wanted, he believed it was his team. And so now, you know, he thinks this is his team more so than Pete Carroll and John Schneider. Like it, it wouldn't be shocking if somebody, like a guy like Russell Wilson, who is so laser focused in building out his lifelong brand were adamant that he is the most important part of everything and that he needs to have a say-so in everything, right? I mean, that's not crazy. Yeah, but here's the thing. And quickly, uh, Football Outsiders had the Seahawks adjusted sack rate, the offensive line, in terms of how they protect Russ. They ranked 30th, better only than Devo's Eagles and uh, Houston Tarksons. But to your point, so we could say the same thing about Tom Brady. They got A.B. because he wanted them. They got Gronk because he wanted them. Same thing about Aaron Rodgers. But they don't listen to Aaron Rodgers. They just keep drafting running backs and quarterbacks. Uh, so I think you can say, anyway, Ben Roethlisberger to some degree. So I, I don't think it's necessarily unique to, to Russ. But I don't disagree that, look, man, I'm not giving any player personnel control. I mean, that that's not your job. Right. Not, that, that, that was the original question. Like, what what do you ask? What do you want, Russ? Like, it's, you want... In, in my th- and look, we only know what's But important. that's where you make one of those demands that's impossible to meet. And then you have, oh, you're not going to meet that demand? Well, then get rid of me. Well, let me ask you this, though. What's worse? Because I personally, I have no issue with Deshaun Watson saying, hey, can you interview um, what's his name from the Kansas City Chiefs for me, please? Just because Patrick Mahomes uh, recommended him. You don't have to hire him. Just interview him. What's his name? What's the, 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 Eric Bannamy. Yeah. Eric Bannamy. 
Like, I don't have any issue with that. And they, Calvin Harris still said, no, I'm not going to do it in so many words. I do have an issue with Russ Wilson if this is actually what happened, saying I want these offensive linemen and these tight ends or whatever. Well, and Russell Wilson asking for personnel control would be like me telling Brinson, give me $80,000 or I'm quitting the podcast. You know, like Brinson's going to be like, okay, uh, bye. You know, yeah, like, I'll give yeah. you 80,000. That, like, that's just, how, that's how ridiculous Wilson's demand sounds because no matter how good of a quarterback he is, you can't expect to just get some sort of personnel control and take that from the general manager and the head coach. And are you going to really roll into the, like, in week eight and be like, hey, by the way, trade deadline's coming or, you know, like, I, like, I need, we need to talk about the draft. It's like, hey, Russ, or like, maybe you, I mean, if you want to work with scheme stuff, I get it. And I, I do understand that the, there's an inherently conflicting nature. And this is where I think it's really important to read between the lines on this athletic piece because Mike Sando <laughs> covered the Seahawks and covered the NFC West for a really long time. And the guy, you know, these guys know Pete Carroll. He has been there for a long time. And when they say that Pete Carroll, and we all know Pete Carroll loves to run the ball, but they're like, it's in his bones. That is, it runs through him the desire to, you know, be a running, run first defense team with explosive downfield shots. And, you know, maybe that's why they have to be headed for a divorce because if Pete Carroll is going to stay and Pete Carroll has just about as much power as any coach in, in professional football with Paul Allen now, you know, gone and John Schneider technically answer, you know, they're, they're joined at the hip, but Pete Carroll is the guy in charge with, with all those factors in play. Maybe a trade is imminent. I don't know that it works though, because the Russell Wilson is now saying he would only be traded to four teams. Those four teams. He has uh, a no trade clause too, by the way. Yeah. Those four teams per Adam Schefter. Um, or I guess via his, his agent was like, Russ has not requested a trade, but if he did, here are the four teams he would go to Oakland. Oh, excuse me. Las Vegas, Chicago, uh, Dallas. And then who was the fourth one? New Orleans. New Orleans. I, it's a fascinating list. Because you have, they're all big markets, or at least feel like bigger city markets. And I think that's important to Russell and Ciara. Um, Vegas, I think they would eat up. And you yeah, also have. But one of the, the issues was when we heard about this initially, that, oh, he wants to go to New York because Ciara's music career can take off there. Her, her music career ain't taken off in Dallas. So. I don't know if that has anything to do with those initial reports. I think it's, I'm the quarterback of the Cowboys and. That well, then does, Russell Wilson's marketing money is going to shoot up a thousand percent if you're the quarterback of America's team and if the Cowboys are good. So I think the team that makes the most sense, probably the Cowboys and the Raiders only agreed. because I don't think the Seahawks are going to make a trade unless they get a quarterback in return because Pete Carroll's 69. He turned 70 in September. He doesn't have time to sit around five years and draft a quarterback and, and rebuild the franchise. So if he could get Derek Carr in return, I'm sure the Seahawks would be happy with Derek Carr because he's the one quarterback in the NFL who do exactly what the coaching staff <laughs> wants them to do. So Pete Carroll will be out there like, oh, good, nice check down, Derek. That's exactly what we wanted. And then obviously no, Derek, Derek, like all of a sudden Pete Carroll walks out of his house to get his newspaper and Derek Carr like pops out of the bushes like, Hey Pete, just moved in next door. He's like, what the, what are you doing, bro? I will say Alice in Vegas, uh, Russell well, Wilson. I, I think, sort of I, I agree with you, Breach, but let's, I think the way to, I think you can, I don't, I wouldn't rule out the Saints, but they are so cap strapped and they have later picks that I don't know that you're going to see them do that. So, and James Winston's a free agent. They have Taysom Hill. Um, I, I, I think Sean Payton would love to work with Russell Wilson. And if they can find a way to make it work, they probably will. And my goodness gracious, would that be 
like what a combo that would be. Um, I think the bears, I don't think the bears have the assets or the, the maneuverability to do it either. And Which I'm not sure. These, it's not like the other. Like, why are the Bears on this list? That's just weird. On well, I, I think know, that's I because Russell Wilson's staring at that team and saying, that team is a quarterback away. That's clearly how he feels about that roster. Mr. I want to build these rosters on my own. Looked at that one and said, all right, well, if they had a competent quarterback, they could win in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think any of these teams are out mm. of the question ridiculous. But, Brinson, you just mentioned the Saints. Uh, they just don't have the money. It's hard to see them pulling it off. I think the Raiders could just because you throw Derek Carr in, uh, and, and a couple draft picks. And then the Cowboys could if they could figure out some sort of sign and trade with Dak Prescott. And also they have the most cap room of the four teams on this list. Uh, but the other thing is if the Seahawks were to trade them, they would take a $39 million dead cap hit. And I'm not sure any team can afford to take that uh, in uh, 2021 where the salary cap is going to be barely $180 million. By the way, we, we talk about Russ and leverage and whether he should be mandating all these things allegedly he won the last there off because remember he said if you guys don't give me that long-term deal i'm walking and at the 11th hour they gave him they paid him to be and the he highest made a deadline. that's right the april 15th deadline i think it was april 15th so, so he had to do his taxes just in time to get paid <laughs> so it was a perfect timing for him but the point is that he won the first airing contest and it's so he has some experience doing it and maybe that's why he feels emboldened assuming he, he feels that way to, to ask for more or whatever he thinks is best for interest for him and the team. I mean, I think the Raiders make, I mean, obviously you have to deal with going to the same division. Their defense as Patrick sucks. Bulls. Their defense is dog do. And he would was, be awesome. And in is the their offensive line any better than the Seahawks offensive line? It was the big issue they had last. That's right. The defense. Wait, don't they have Tom Seattle. Cable who they fired from Seattle because he couldn't protect Russell yeah, Wilson? I don't. I don't know if going to going to Las Vegas is going to change anything. And I, I mean, look, if you can't get along with Pete Carroll, who's super excitable, although he does love to run the ball, is John Gruden going to be your guy? Because I don't maybe know. Maybe he just needs that mentality change. You know, like Brady wanted leave the Belichick. I have my hands. I absolutely control everything. Go to Arians, who's like, yeah, if you want to get drunk the night before the game, do it. Like Arians is so carefree, and maybe that's what Russell Wilson needs going from Pete Carroll to a guy like John Gruden. Hmm. Dallas makes a ton of sense. If Jerry Jones doesn't want to pay Dak Prescott, you know, he's going to pay this guy. I mean, what are we doing? Uh, well, I'll just say that the, if you trade for Russell Wilson, so if the Cowboys or any other team does, you only owe him three years, $70 million. So you owe $23.3 million over the next three years. I mean, that's but, a bargain compared to but giving. He said in the Atlantic thing, and I think we've heard him say before, he wants to play 10 to 15 more years. I would imagine once he arrives, it's going to be a very short time before he wants to get paid $40 million or whatever. I think he plays at least one more season under his current right. contract. I would agree And then with that. that's still a deal because you're paying him only 23.3, uh, for that one season or 19, I think is his base salary for 2021. This is, it's crazy that we're seeing a guy like this with the success he's had in that, on that franchise demanding out. Like, I mean, it, well, it, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's not demanding. All right, he's not requesting a trade. Sorry, but he's not demanding. I mean, Deshaun Watson, I feel like, is demanding based on the circumstances of which I totally agree. I with. mean, but is it Russ saying like either give me personnel control or trade me? I mean, according and, and to then, if you're the team that's trading for him, you now have to give him personnel control, right? Or I don't know. I don't know. Maybe well, I, he. Uh, 
I just think it's the thing with the personnel control too is so you're the Seahawks, you get through free agency and Russell Wilson's still on your roster. You get to the draft, Russell Wilson's still on your roster. All of a sudden you show up to uh mandatory minicamp and what if Russell Wilson hates all his new teammates? Now there's a bigger rift between the, oh, if you would have let me pick these guys, I would have liked them. They would have been good. And now you brought in these guys I don't like and that makes things worse. So it's like, I don't see how this can get any better. It's, also, it feels like, it's like if you're dating someone and you, you want to break up, you're like, listen, I'll stay with you, but you got to buy me a new Jaguar. And that's basically <laughs> Russ is saying, I need, I need personnel control. And then you get traded, like, I don't care. And then the problem is when she shows up with a Jaguar, what do you do then? Yeah, she, then, yeah. You drive it around for a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, I still think John Schneider's, John Schneider's not going to give him personnel control. He, I mean, nobody else, you, like, he, he blinked at the salary thing. No one else, and the only example of anyone in the NFL doing this is Tom Brady with the Buccaneers. And that's just an unprecedented situation where a 43-year-old Hall of Fame quarterback, the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, maybe the greatest player in NFL history, probably the greatest player in NFL history, became a free agent, signed in Tampa Bay, and they had like two chill bros running the, you know, and Jason Light and Bruce Arians who were willing to chat with Tom about it because they wanted to pick his brain. It's just- I would I would guess, and I have to go back and look, and you guys may remember better than I do, but I would guess that Elway and Peyton probably had a similar type deal. I think that Peyton is a, Peyton's a good call. I think Peyton attracted players and Elway would say, hey, who do you want? Yeah, but this is also, I've talked about this before. When you are drafted by an organization and you grow up, you spend your entire career in a certain organization, inherently they are going to view you as the guy that they drafted, not the guy that they brought in as this big ticket free agent. The Seahawks aren't going to just magically turn personnel control over to Russell Wilson. Like, all right. It, it feels like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are on the exact same page in the sense that they just saw Tom Brady win the Super Bowl with a hand-picked team. Like, yeah. hey, let's put all these offensive weapons around Brady. And Wilson and Rodgers are both thinking, okay, why can't we do that here? Why can't I get the guys I want? If 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 the Buccaneers can do it and win a Super Bowl in that same season, why can't we do it where I am? And so that's it seems like that's why they want the control. I want to get these superstars in here so I can start winning like Tom Brady. Let me ask you guys this. Um, so let's set the odds on Deshaun being traded and Russ being traded. Make those uh, odds, Princeton. Um, I'll say that you want odds or you want like percentage chance? I think the percentage chance. Over Deshaun's, under percentage chance. Uh, All right. So over under. For Deshaun, for me, it's 65. I was going to say 65 too. All right. Over for Russ, 65 Russ, I, Russ, I say, oh, let's do Russ real quick. Russ, I say it's 35. I'll take the over on both. I, I was going to say the exact same numbers as you did. I mean, like, no lie. I, mean, I just think, I think Deshaun is. That's what you're thinking right now, Tacos. Oh, okay. I like the over for Deshaun and the under for Russ. I don't think Russ is going anywhere. I just think he's blowing off steam. I don't think the Seahawks have to feel like they've got a Super Bowl caliber team. That's right. And the, I mean, the Texans, the Texans don't. No. The other <laughs> thing too is like, I mean, now, what I think is interesting is, could you do a tag and trade of Dak Prescott for Russell Wilson? I don't, uh, Breach knows the math on that, but I will say this quickly. I feel like, uh, and this was mentioned in the athletic, and I think this is something that you talk about Russ being like a, a weird robot type guy. He's like, you know, Tom Brady and Derek Jeter and those guys. His legacy is a big deal to him. He ain't sitting out. Like that tarnishes what he wants to accomplish. Deshaun, I feel like would sit out if he has to deal with Calvin Nair and, uh, and Preacher Man, Jack Easterby. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. Wait, Russell, Brenton, wait, wait, were you wait, suggesting wait. A, a tag and trade with Dak? 
Wait, wait. Russell Wilson would have a $58 million dead cap charge. Well, no, the make. Where'd you get 39 from? He made it. Where'd up. you get 58 from Spot Track? And Breach. you have to minus his base salary because the other team would be paying that. That dead cap includes the Seahawks paying his you base got, salary. You just got dunked on by someone. No, no, dunked on. I'm just track. looking. I'm, he said I'm, minus. You have to minus. So the if if the if the Seahawks cut him, they would owe his, the cap. It would be fifty eight million dollars because he's owed nineteen million dollars in guaranteed money for twenty twenty one. But if he, if, if another team is paying that, his uh, it becomes thirty nine million. Oh yeah, yeah. I was looking on their their cap table, not their um. Mm, yeah, you just got so, you just got uh, Randy Bullock. Well, a pre. Oh, I hit the wrong thing there too. Whoops. Uh, yeah, thirty-nine million. You're right. All right, my bad. Um, you know, they if, lose... you're, if you're a GM, you would be Freddie Kitchens. He's hit, <laughs> hitting the wrong button, overpaying guys by four hundred million dollars. <laughs> well, I, I just I had the see. I was looking at the Seahawks cap salary cap table to try and see how much space they had. I didn't even look so, at that. I just let and, 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 and well, I think that Brinson mentioning the post June first thing that you're about to mention, I think splits it up so it's thirteen million. One year and twenty six million the next year, which is absolutely doable. And, and the reason that's interesting because your first thought is there's no way he's still be on the roster in June. You have to do a trade before free agency because you have to know where you are. But a trade would work with a team like the Cowboys because if they're trying to negotiate with Dak Prescott on the franchise tag extension, they have till July. So that would give the two teams another four months to work something out. So it's not completely implausible that you could do a trade after June first. That's a great. That's a great point. Nobody else you're trading after June first because. Everyone else will solve their quarterback issues. But right. if Dak is holding out in into June and Russ is still mad into June, maybe you make that swap in the, you know, before the franchise, before the deadline to, to sign somebody to a long-term extension. So that, that is, that would be creative. And look, Carlos Dunlap right now counts $14 million against the salary cap. So you could, I mean, you can cut him and no dead money. Um, there's, there's wiggle room here for the Seahawks who already have $11 million in salary cap space, but uh, you know, this is not the time to be taking on a $39 million dead cap charge because you, because you can't work it. Although one could argue that Dak Prescott's a better, uh, long-term asset than Russell Wilson. If you factor in age, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk to Sean Watson and what his future holds. Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing, and creative legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I got to play. I'm going to play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Five-star review from Baleal via Apple Podcast. He says, "Been loved the podcast, been listening to you guys since 2018 when I had a two-hour daily commute to work. You guys are fantastic. Thank you. For next week's mailbag, though, the statement was made that if Deshaun Watson goes to the Panthers this week, they're a 10-win team. We can assume the trade would include a 2021 number eight overall, two future first, Teddy Bridgewater, 
Brian Burns and potentially another defensive starter. We already saw Watson with a garbage defense go four and 12. The Panthers without Brian Burns have a garbage defense. If the Panthers make that trade and go four or 12 or worse, do you think rule is still around next year, especially considering they'd have no picks for multiple years? So I, I think that is more than the Panthers would have to give up to get Watson. I think so too, just based on sort of what we think. And, um, even no matter if they get 0 and 16, Matt Rule's not going anywhere. He thinks he signed a six year deal Correct. for $4 billion. I, I think he signed a seven year deal. Jeez. For five. And, and David Tepper yeah. is a billionaire, but he is not going to throw away $44 million by firing Rule after two years. So I think they're safe, but right. I, I, I agree. I don't know if they give up Brian Burns and potentially another defensive starter. But I think three first round picks, and it may actually be less than that because you have the number eight overall pick. This isn't like you're picking thirty first or something. Um, so number eight, maybe uh twenty, maybe you get a second round this year, and maybe a, a first and second next year or something. Like I would do two ones and two twos for Deshaun Watson. Especially if you're the, one of them if you're the pan- overall. If you're the Panthers or if you're the Texans. If you're the Panthers, I would give All right, would, well, let's let's say you're the Texans, I'm the Panthers. I'm gonna offer you number my first round pick this year, number eight overall. Mm-hmm. My first round pick next year, TBD. Brian Burns, Teddy Bridgewater, and a future second round pick for Deshaun Watson. Do you take it? I'm thinking about it. I, I mean, obviously, it depends on what other people are, but I'm not hanging up the phone. Yeah. If, if, if you're offering me at any point three first round picks and one of them includes eighth overall, I'm probably two, two first round right, picks. Right. I know you're not, but, but, but if, for if Brian Burns. Three, Right, right. If the offer is just three first round picks and, and a quarterback, so I have someone who can play quarterback, so Teddy Bridgewater, I'm taking it. You know, like, as long, if there's three first round picks, mention this deal at all and any other player, um, Deshaun's gone. I mean, and not it, only that, I know the salary, I mean, the, um, the draft, losing draft picks is a thing, but, um, I haven't, I don't know if anyone's done the study. I'm sure they have somewhere, but I feel like the Panthers have a ton of cap space, 37 million when you count everybody. Um, I feel like you probably have more success signing, um, the second tier free agents than you do drafting guys in rounds two, three, and four in terms of them having an impact. Uh, it's going to cost you a little more, but if you have salary cap space, you can still fill those holes in the roster uh, at a slightly higher rate, I would imagine. Maybe you hit on 40% of your second, third, fourth round picks and hit on 45 to 50% of the, of the free agent signings. But my point is that just because you don't have draft picks doesn't mean you can't build a roster. I, th- I think the lesson I would take if I was the Texans is that don't hire Jack Easterby. <laughs> no, that if, and this is sort of the lesson the Panthers have to think about. The Texans got to where they are by trading away all their draft picks for like guys that they thought could help them out. And it didn't work out. So if you're Carolina, I do think you have to be careful about that to then, you know, to the point of the, 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 the mailbag question that yes, if you trade Brian Burns, your defense could suck. And what if Deshaun Watson gets hurt? What if Deshaun Watson takes some time to acclimate to the system in Carolina? You know, there's a whole whole range of outcomes where you don't end up being a playoff team. Um, and, and that's what you have to be careful about because you could end up giving away a pick next year that's in the top five. And that, the Texans have done that twice. Right. Scared, they, scared, scared money. Don't well, even money. if it, top 15, you know, cause like you're playing in the same division as the Super Bowl champions. If the Saints have a decent quarterback, that's a pretty solid roster. All of a sudden, you know, you're staring at third place in your division, even with Deshaun Watson. And if you don't make the playoffs, you're likely picking in the top 15. So now you gave up the eighth overall pick and, uh, you know, so wait a second though. You guys are talking like crazy people. So you give up the eighth overall pick and you have Deshaun Watson or you keep the eighth overall pick. 
You're finishing better than you would with Deshaun oh, Watson? Oh, no, I absolutely still acquired Deshaun Watson oh, okay. at all costs. I'm all just right. saying that if you're the Texans, you should be thinking, if I'm getting three first-round picks from the from the Panthers, these could all three be top oh, right, 15 yeah. picks. Okay. So, sure. that, so you gotcha. know, like if you're trading with uh, uh, the Seahawks, you know, right. you're afraid right. that the Seahawks are probably going to make the playoffs, going to be low first-round picks. And so that's a little worrisome. But with the Panthers, you're like, eh, this could really work okay. out in my favor. I, I retract my previous yeah, I mean, the, the point being, and, and, but, uh, so yes, uh, Carolina could stink. The picks could be good, but no, Matt Rule will not get fired for that. And let's not forget that if this decision to go after Deshaun Watson is made, it's not Matt Rule. It's not all on Matt Rule. Now he will have a ton of say in it, but it'll be Matt Rule. David Tepper is the one pushing aggressively for this Who's quarterback. The new GM? Uh, oh God, what is their GM name? Um, yeah, I thought about this the other day. Scott, Scott Fitterer. Scott Fitterer. Fitterer okay. I thought about this the other day. I like, I've like, I like, I mean, I, I know, I feel like this offseason, the GM and head coaching movement feels so much. The head less. coaches I actually remember this year, but the, the GMs, I, I the GMs just feel very, anyway, they feel different. But so, so Scott Fitterer clearly has input on this. He's the GM, but I'm telling you, David Tepper is the one pushing for the Panthers to be aggressive and acquire a quarterback. He sees, a wild west market, unlike anything we've ever seen before, with quarterbacks trying to move into to different locations. They tried to get in on Stafford. They want in on Watson. I think they'd love to get in on Russell Wilson, but for whatever reason, Russell Wilson doesn't want to come to North Carolina. Uh, and you know, it's funny about that. You know, where Scott Fitter spent the past twenty years of his life, Seattle, in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, there's a deal that could be. I think, I think Carolina is a spot where Russell would consider. And Tim put it on the list. Put it on the list. Call up his agent. Tell him to put Carolina on the list. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're, we don't we don't see Matt Rule getting fired uh, no matter what. Good news needed. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Anonymous Daniel says, "Please say something nice about the Texans that is not sandwiched between examples of how awful they are." Tough time to be a Houston sports fan right now. Uh. Somebody else want to start here? I don't really can't think of anything. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this. I think the Texans fans that we know are awesome people. Steph Stradley, who we've known for 15 years now, Brenson, who uh, is a lawyer, but she worked at Fan House back in the day when we were there, and she writes for the Houston, for the Tex- uh, the Houston Chronicle, excuse me. Uh, smart. Lance Erline, our guy, was an Oilers fan before he became a Texans fan. Uh, all smart, all passionate, all want the organization not to suck. So those are – that's one nice thing I can say about it. About the team itself – um, I love, <laughs> uh, what's Reed's first name to safety? I love him out of Stanford. Um, the nice, <laughs> the nice okay. thing I will say is that despite their four and 12 record, they were fun to watch at times. And this is coming from someone who's in Nashville and watched them play the Titans twice. Those were two of my favorite games of the season, uh, actually involved the Texans Two of probably my top 20 games. Both of them, the Texans Titans games were both. In the top twenty, uh, you Jeff have delicious breakfast tacos in your city. That's true. All right, let's see who else is on this roster because we do spend a lot of time. I mean, it was dunking on Bob, and then you know it turns out he wasn't even the top two biggest concerns for that organization. I mean, Texas fans would love to rewind to last off season and have. Don't do it. We can't struggle. say anything negative. This is happy, happy uh, thoughts. On Happy thoughts only, Brinson. You cannot mention the fact they don't have any salary cap space or draft picks. Don't mention any of that. 
happy thoughts only. I, I do think that there's a chance. So like Nick Casario to me is a guy who's gotten kind of a bad, an unfair, uh, shake of things. Like he just took a job. You know, he didn't plot. That's not even nice. You're just sort of making. No, no, but I'm saying that like this guy worked with Bill Belichick for a long time. Say something nice. I am. I'm saying, what if Nick, what if Nick Casario is an awesome general manager and That's he's in nice. charge? You're, you're speculating. <laughs> Say something uh, nice about the current roster. Uh, about the current roster? Deshaun Watson could fetch the num the requisite number of picks to create a full blown rebuild that could change go. the 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 trajectory of of Houston uh, of Houston sports. Well, I thought you were gonna say humankind. <laughs> no, uh, um, they, hi- they hired Lovey Smith. He's a nice guy. Lovey Smith has a tremendous beard. He has a great. Oh my gosh! I hope he still has it. Uh, what is Jordy Tennis will say? What is Brinson going to do with his eighty thousand dollars DFS winnings? Endless. So explain, explain how you got the money. Cause there was some concern about it. Cause we mentioned a few times that people were not certain how you got it. Well, we, you know, we were making jokes about the specific amount of $80,000 without, we assume that everybody listened to the one podcast where we explain how Brinson got the right. money. And then we have continuously been making a running joke and people were like, why do they keep talking about 80,000? Was, was there like a ransom or something? Like <laughs> what the hell happened? That would be the, so, the smart guess. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I, 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 Entered a PGA DFS contest and did really well. And that's uh, how I got $15 the money. entry fee. Is that what you said? Yeah. I mean, I, I won another like $5,000 contest. Like all told, I think oh. I won like 85 something. No one cares about the five grand when you win. That. I know, right? People like I toss that on people like, Oh, what, what do you care? I finished first in that one and won five grand. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I just did a PGA DFS one finished second place and cash big. In fact, I think my dad found out while listening to you guys do a podcast. I just hadn't had a chance to talk to him and tell him like, <laughs> That's hilarious. He's like, "What are you gonna name your horse?" I was like, "What?" Oh, All right. So, like, what are you what are you doing with the eighty grand? Uh, uh, buying new well, golf clubs and taking uh, my wife on an anniversary trip. Where are you going? That's what's TBD. left over after the Wilson tattoo. And right. also, I heard from a source right. that you were gonna buy Annabelle a nicer stroller. So you have to put those two things on your list. Okay. Yeah. Let and by the way, this tattoo is gonna be five figures. I'm just letting you know. Um. Yeah. Hey, Brinson, what is your handicap? You mention golf all the time. This is from Michael Scott. Love Michael Scott. Before Brinson answers the question, I think uh, we should point out that whatever he says, it will be double that number. Yes, that's right. Okay. Why would I lie about my handicap? You get strokes when you do your handicap. Uh, I think I'm between. You don't want to be a 30 handicap. I mean, you'd rather be a four. Yeah. I think I'm between like a 15 and 18. That's probably so 30 and 36. I usually shoot about 90. If I, if I, if I don't break 90, I'm, I'm mad. That's with two mulligans. I'll give you that. No, no, just, I mean, it's, yeah. And if I would, I'm hoping that these new clubs, which I got, yeah, I got custom fitted, will, uh, dramatic, will improve my game substantially. We'll see. It, it won't, but I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not gonna, you have every right to buy Well, it. I'm playing Saturday. I'll let you know how I go. Let me know. Uh, terrific right. podcast. One more question for Wilson, then he's got to bounce. Okay. I love the podcast. I started listening a few years ago after hearing Brinson on the Darren Smith show in San Diego. Shout out to Darren and Marty. Darren and Marty are the best. Quick behind the curtain question. The three of you work for CBS Sports or the parent company. Presumably your salaries cover all of your CBS podcasting, TV hits and writing except Brinson. You all do various hits on radio shows. Do you get paid for those hits from the station or do you do those for free to build your brand and promote CBS Sports and the podcast or both? Thanks. M-A-J-S-D. Uh, I'm going to tell you a funny story. Brinson recommended me to one of his buddies. I won't name the radio station last spring to talk draft. And he's like, Oh, they pay. And I, I, I do radio hits all the time. I don't get paid for any of them. So I'm not, 
don't know what you said. Um, and some I do, like I've been doing weekly for a couple, three, four years now, and they're good dudes. This one I'd never done before. Really nice guys. At no point did I get paid for that. So that's just Brinson for you. But I do not get paid for it in my hits. I think Brinson probably does. Breach probably gets paid in cat food. There's nothing wrong with being paid in cat food, Wilson. That first, I would say it depends on where you are. I think the easiest place to get paid is the Super Bowl because, uh, you know, most radio stations cannot send a report of the Super Bowl. So if you say you'll give an update. Oh, I have done that. I forgot about that. I did that before. Sorry. There once. you go, Wilson. Yeah. What? How much did you? What? Okay. So you haven't paid. Yeah, I got paid once for Super Bowl week every day. I did it for 150 bucks, and they offered it to me. I, I never would. Who? Be I'm not telling you who. I don't want to <laughs> He's got Angle- to for next. Angle- <laughs> I got to pay for my beer money though. Yeah, that happened once, but that was actually San Francisco, so it's been a while. Go ahead. Uh, uh, I think I've got, I got a couple that pay me, but it's like I do. We, you know, you do weekly. You're expected. You know, there's a expectation in this segment. Paying Brinson to show up and just yell and scream about God knows what. Well, I mean, I'm. I don't show up and I don't, I'm not like serious and I'm, I'm entertained. Oh, we didn't tell you this because you were, you were in the bathroom earlier before the podcast, but Debo confirmed that we, me and Breach are going to get paid for having to do this podcast with you. You, you are paid for doing this podcast. No, we get an extra 20 bucks for each show just to, <laughs> out of mental, my pocket. The, mental language. We're putting up with Brinson. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, but yeah, Debo Venmo's us $20 from Brinson's <laughs> account. To answer that, to answer the question, like from an industry wide perspective, and this is, I'm not saying this applies to the three of us, but just, Generally speaking, um, it, the bigger your personal brand or whatever you want to refer to it as is, the more likely you are to be able to get paid to do radio hits. Yeah, that's, I mean, that sounds about right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you... And I'm the type of person that wouldn't ask either. Like, I would never ask. Say, listen, I, I'll do it, but you have to pay me. That just seems weird to me. But I If you see somebody... I mean, like, Adam, like, if you see Adam Schefter doing a radio hit, like, uh, on, like, sports like WIP in Philly and he's doing his weekly radio hit and they have some sort of introduction for him. You're like, here's our weekly conversation with right. ESP, you know, NFL insider Adam Schefter. Then there's a really good chance he's getting paid to do that. And by the way, Tom Brady's local show, ben, those guys are all getting paid. Yeah. They're not just showing up Monday morning to talk about losing. Well, a- yeah. The athletes and the coaches are all getting paid for the radio shows for sure. But I'm saying that, you know, if, if you see somebody doing a radio show on a regular basis, there's a decent chance that they're, you know, once a week that they're getting paid for it. And it depends on the market. It depends on, you know, the various factors that go into it. But, um, yes, there are certainly some are paid radio shows, but a lot of times, and you know, I do a lot, like there's a lot of shows I'll do that, you know, like I, because I like the host and like, you know, like Darren and, uh, Darren and Marty send me beer to, to go on the, to go on the show. What was that? What's, what is that? Weird? It's like getting paid, except you're being paid in beer. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what that is. Well, yeah, problem. but like, I mean, but like, I, I mean, I mean, they, they, Darren listens to the podcast. I mean, I would go on, if he didn't send me beer, I would jump on. So, yeah. Breach, have you ever been paid other than the Super Bowl spots? I have not, but I also, I keep my radio to a minimum. Like, if somebody asked me to be on every week, I would probably think about saying something, but I don't, I, I try to, yeah, I keep my radio to a minimum. That's it. Like, I don't like to do more than, say, one radio hit a week. So, like, the first station that, gets a hold of me that's it then i just tell everyone else now gotcha. stay hot commodity that's how it works all right on that note all right that is uh that's it that's the show thanks for listening uh we will have we have plenty more mailbag questions to get to if we didn't get to yours don't worry about it just make sure you leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts. we will end up answering it uh great stuff as always fellas talk to you later